Hey, everybody. JC is on the line. To you, you know. Yeah. You yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Everybody that's uh, within the sound of our voice on this podcast, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, we are going to have a little bit of fun today. Actually, a yeah. lot of fun. We're going to cover... <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're going to cover uh, uh, three important topics. The first one is entitled La Chancla, or the sandal, or the flip-flop. La Bota, which is the boot. And La Llorona, which is the crier, or the lady that cries by the river. Mm. Uh, Chin, you want to add anything to that introduction? Yeah, apparently uh, La Chancla has more origins on the Hispanic-American side of the house here. It's a uh, instrument used for correction and behavioral uh, correction. La bota is more masculine, right? I mean, it's uh, well, ladies yeah. wear boots out there too, but it's certainly meant for uh, correcting purposes on behalf of the male figure in the house, the patriarch. Yeah, the dad. The dad setting you straight, that's for sure. Yeah. La Llorona, apparently there's a version of La Llorona all over the world. But uh, hopefully we'll get a chance here to share our version as we learned it from a Hispanic border uh, town in, in America. Yep, that's right. No, it's going to be a ton of fun. And Well, as always, we want this to be interactive in any way that you can. I'll mention our an email address. Our email address is bbe78148 at gmail.com. That's bravo, bravo, echo, 78148 at gmail.com. Please. Uh, send us a message. Tell us what you think of our podcast. Uh, give us some ideas. Uh, more importantly, your podcast, we'd love to hear a story about La Chancla, La Bota, or La Llorona in your life. So with that, Chuyin, why don't you kick us off and maybe share a little bit of, uh, of a La, Chancla oh, La Chancla episode in your life. Okay, we'll share. start with La Chancla. I first yeah. learned of it in uh, an environment where my mom was visiting my aunt I have a younger cousin and he needed, he was being a brat. I was being a brat with him, but he was within, within arm's length of my aunt closer. So he was grabbed by the arm. My aunt slipped off her slipper and put it to her hand and gave him a few good whacks through the diaper, which was full of poop. <laughs> and some of that poop, uh, <laughs> she hit him so hard with La Chancla that some of that poop actually uh, came up through his backside. Fortunately, oh, yeah, it was very easy to clean, but it did make a very memorable impression of the first opportunity of learning what La Chancla could do for you. Yeah. Man, let me see. The last time, the last time I remember it being tested in an environment where I saw her directly or indirectly, I was roughhousing with my, my son, my younger son at grandma's house, my mother. And she didn't see it as rough housing. She thought I was being a little too rough. So grandma comes over, slips off her shoe and whacks me on the forearm with it, which totally caught my son's attention to that thought, oh man, grandma just thugged out here. And both of us actually stopped to look at my mom. She, uh, she gave me a comment, something to the effect of leave him alone. Don't do that. And so we mm -hmm. both behaved and we actually, it's still effective. You know, I'm, I'm much older today, generations later, and it's still effective to this day. 
So it's also used as a deterrent too, is what it sounds like oh, yeah. to me. I mean, it's a d- deterrent to stop things from happening, right? It's so effective. I mean, a child doesn't even have to be, uh, you, uh, you know, you don't have to be hit with it. You don't have to be struck with it. I think the mere act mm-hmm. of a mom or some authority figure out there slipping it off and removing it from f- pedal position to manual position makes all the difference for corrective measures. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, any scarring that you have from La Chancla at all? Any, anything that you oh. have that, that might identify you as a, a, a Chancla victim <laughs> at one point? Yeah, it's actually when I was getting too big for my britches there in the wonderful city of El Paso, Texas. We lived in a very, very uh, lower income community. But on this fortunate day, I had my girlfriend over. She was not allowed inside my house, of course, but I was entertaining her in the front of my house, which happened to be a string of uh, uh, flat houses, which kind of is a little bit of a step down from the projects. But anyways, long story short, there was uh, me trying to impress my uh, girlfriend on how independent I was. But my mom interrupted that. And she said something uh, very derogatory, like take out the trash. And I said, no, how about you do it, you fat lady? And that was... <laughs> that- <laughs> Well, hey, for those for those those of us that can speak Spanish, so what exactly did you say? I think that'd be a little more fun. I said, uh, "No, mejor hágalo usted, vieja gorda." Yeah, that's not going to win friends or influence people anytime soon. No, not at all. In <laughs> fact, uh, it did just the opposite. It put my mother in motion, and I could feel her steps through the concrete. She was a heavier lady, and she was coming from one room to the other to meet me at the front door. So I proactively took off running. I thought, well, I guess this is a done deal here. Too much, uh, too much happening at once, and I'm certainly not going to impress my girlfriend anymore. But maybe I can mitigate damage by getting away from my mom, who was uh, very close to the front door. Hmm. So yeah, I did. I made it down a block, and I thought, well, she's heavier than I am. I, I know she can't chase me. But then I saw her reach down and dismount that flip-flop or that shoe that she had on. And, and she launched it. It was coming at me. And I thought for a split moment, well, if she's already launched it and she sees I'm standing on the sidewalk, maybe I'll, I'll just deter this and uh, step off the sidewalk and onto the road. <laughs> but about mid-flight, I don't know if you know about of parabolas. But at the, t- the highest point of this uh, throwing arch of the uh, chancla coming at me, it suddenly changed directions. I don't know if a gust of wind took to it or it had boomerang qualities or I don't know. Heat seeking, smart, smart Alec qualities. Yeah, it had uh, something, but it made me uh, change my mind to get back on the sidewalk because now I saw it coming at me on in the middle of the street. Right. So here again we are. Uh, the whole neighborhood is watching by by now and they're wondering what's going on and they keep seeing me jump on and off the sidewalk and you know those moments when you uh take the first guess on a test question and you think oh this is the right one but then you second guess yourself sure you gotta follow your gut man <laughs> yeah i was uh i was feeling this moment because now i'd already changed my mind twice about being on the sidewalk or on the road and in the mm-hmm. moment i went back to get on the road again this thing hit me square on the forehead <laughs> It got me good. Mm. It really got me good. And the whole neighborhood gave me a lot of scorn and feedback, too, for being a misbehaving child as well. So it wasn't enough to uh, 
suffer the shame and the scorn of the neighborhood, but I, I felt like I walked a gauntlet back to my mom. I just wanted to, to end the scorning and the, uh, the feedback I was getting in the neighborhood in Spanish there. But my mom did one step more. She uh, sent me back to collect her, her shoe. <laughs> and it meant another round of, of walking the gauntlet, the gauntlet itself. But it scarred me pretty good emotionally and mentally and physically, of course. So for all of our friends that are listening right now on our podcast, what are lessons learned? What would be applicable for our lives as we steer clear of the chancla? Well, uh, the first thought I can think of is uh, being too big for your britches. Mm-hmm. Maybe another one there is uh, being mindful and respectful of your your authorities and fa- uh, mother figures and father figures out there. Okay, great. No, I think that's... That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. You know, that dovetails actually into into my La Bota or the boot story, actually. Um, I have something that's, that, that's, that's similar to that and happened when I was uh, about 13 years old. I was uh, had been staying out late and it was on a I believe it was on a weekend, if I remember correctly, and, and uh, it needed to be home by midnight for sure. But I'd been showing up at about two, three in the morning. I don't know why I had, I guess, something more important to do or something that I felt was more urgent than uh, listening to my, to my parental units at the time. And so, um, it was, uh, I believe it was a Sunday and everything was kind of calm and peaceful. And I had been asked about my whereabouts and I was very casual about it. Didn't get into too much detail. Just basically told them that I was safe and nothing more than that turned around and I had a, a, a size uh, 10 and a half, 11, right in my butt. And it was the, the boot of my dad and these Tony Lama boots. <laughs> and uh, I felt about three quarters of it to shove right in there. That didn't feel too good. It lifted me up a little bit. And, and it was rude. And it caught me off guard even so much that I, for a, for a moment, a fleeting moment. And, and thank goodness I didn't act on the impulse. But I thought, man, could I take that old man down at 13? <laughs> Uh, and chances are I wouldn't have been able to, but so it was good that, uh, that I didn't act upon that impulse, but it, uh, really woke me up and, uh, had a lot more respect for those boots uh, than I did before. Oh, can that I, can I ask another question there, JC? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. you know, when you, uh, took that strike, you know, I'm sure you took it like a man too, but, uh, did you actually, uh. <laughs> Did you actually separate feet from earth, you know, from terra firma? And was there dead space between your own shoes? And There was. There was. Uh, gravity was challenged for a mere mere moment. Um, <laughs> and I only remember that because we had these big 12-inch by 12-inch tiles. Okay. And I ended up I ended up clearing about one and a half of those. Oh, man. Um, That's so, right so, yeah, there. it happened right in the kitchen. In fact, we still have those tiles to this day. Oh, in that man. kitchen, but uh, yeah, it it, uh, it did. It, it lifted me up pretty good, and and reminded me every time that I'd sit down that uh, I wasn't walking on the straight and narrow at the time, not listening to my parents, for sure. No, oh, so either la chancla and la bota, or man, you know, today would uh, parents get away with that? I mean, if uh, if la bota and la chancla were still had to used or in full effect, yeah. You know, I'm, I'd want to say that to some extent you could, but boy, I, I don't know. I think, I think La Bota and La Chanca would definitely be challenged. Be I tough, think they'd right? be challenged as a, as corporate that is not appropriate 
in 2018 that's for sure yeah yeah that's just unfortunate but you know there are other tactics too there are other tactics and and lastly the the one i think that certainly needs to be made mention we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is a little thing called la llorona oh yeah that's a timeless one la llorona i'm sure everybody listening to us right now has a la llorona story but uh, why don't you share with us uh uh llorona story yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, JC. Uh, I'm happy to share with it, and I'm also happy to echo the idea that you don't have to be physical with La Chancla or La Bota. Unlike those, La Llorona is uh, non-physical and to some extent safer, but I don't know if it's... Uh, no, I, I have to say it's probably even worse, right? Because it's mental, and it's emotional, and it's spiritual. <laughs> well, it, hit, it hits all of them. You're absolutely right, yeah. Well, I've got to do some justice and explain La Llorona, or at least the version that I learned along the border of El Paso, Texas, and uh, Ciudad Juarez, which is the neighboring city uh, in Mexico to El Paso. Mm -hmm. The way I learned this story was told through one of my aunts down there. She explained that uh, a lady was doing laundry in the Rio Grande, and she wasn't mindful of her children while she was doing laundry in the river. And... When she was done with her laundry, she went to go and collect her children, which she thought were playing. But she soon discovers that they had drowned in the river. And one of them was only found while the other one was not found. And so she started a frantic search up and down the river trying to collect her other child. And when she didn't have success in the river, she started looking into the city and into the town of Juarez, and this is how late at night she could be heard crying, wailing, mourning, searching for her child that's been lost. And she was very, very easy uh, on mistaking other children which were out and about, not in bed, not being mindful to their parents. Uh, she would easily mistake those children for her own and, uh, and take them, abduct them. Recruit Sorry. them, right? Collect them as as her right. own. My understanding, if I have this correctly, is she would actually end up drowning you if she if she if she caught you. Because right, because that's the only way that that the children could be with her, or she could thought be with her. her. Yeah, that's exactly. right. So I first learned of the story through my aunt. Uh, I was probably six or seven years old, staying with my grandma in Mexico in Ciudad Juarez. Mm -hmm. I last tested this in probably about four years ago with my own son. We'd invited his best friend out to go camping with us here in Southern Texas. And there was a curfew in the park where we were staying the night. And these boys just wanted to, they just had other plans. They wanted to stay up all night, be silly, tell jokes, play, be awake. Yeah, that sounds normal for a kid, right? The only problem, it was uh, 1 o'clock in the morning now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to attract the attention of one of the park rangers, so I decided to tell the story. It uh, had a very powerful effect, so much that my son's best friend decided to use a water bottle for relieving himself, number one there. <laughs> in the morning when his own mom, this other little boy's mom, discovered the water bottle, she thought it was lemonade. And mm-hmm. Cautiously and inspected the bottle and she almost threw up but the little boy wanted to confirm <laughs> that it was his own uh, urine and when he took a, a whiff of it he actually threw up 
I didn't want to leave the tent either in the middle of the night to use the restroom. My own story, if I could share that very quickly. Yeah. It was my older cousins were put in charge of uh, taking care of us and watching us in Ciudad Juarez. Uh, My aunts and uncles had uh, attended, I think they were on their way to uh, pay their respects to a, a funeral or memorial service. And so my older cousin, who was 16, and another cousin, 17, Joaquin and Oscar were left in charge to um, put us to bed and make sure that we uh, went to bed early that evening. But they would play very horrible games with us after uh, learning that La Llorona was still very effective with one of my cousins. Uh, He kind of was more terrified than the rest of us. My grandma's uh, little makeshift uh, home in Juarez had a tin roof, which means it was like folded aluminum or or I, I'm not sure of the word, but it was really just a sheet of metal separating us from the the, the sky and rain and weather. Yeah, that wavy so, corrugated metal that they put together, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one cousin would come up on the window and say, hey, she's out here, guys, be careful. <laughs> and another cousin would walk across the ceiling and uh, the roof and make footsteps. And they were more than footsteps. They were kind of like stomping sounds. Yeah, that's horrible. And my other cousin would say, hey, she's here. I see her. Don't say anything. Keep your head down. (laughs) And so the rest of us were stacked like sardines next to each other with that one blanket that kept getting pulled from one side to the other to make sure our feet were covered. too. And these guys had a ball. They probably did this for maybe a good two hours. They'd come across and say, hey, we saw her grab a child out here. So make sure you stay quiet. Don't cry. Don't come out. Don't do anything. Just stay in bed. And they would cycle between showing up at the window and taking steps on the roof. It was absolutely horrible. The end result were children in the morning that were, um, that never made it to the outhouse. Remember outhouses in Mexico? I don't know if you ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They had spiders underneath. <laughs> I'm never going to forget those. You basically had to hover. That was the best tactic. That's right. You had to be in and out pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But I guess what was terrible about that whole experience and that one specific night was that all of us decided not to use the restroom. And so for moments during nights, during that same night, all of a sudden we'd feel this very warm sensation and it was one of us. I mean, you can use your imagination. One of we just took turns. <laughs> Did you have a version that you could share? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, mine was just, it was, it was a mindset really more than anything else. Uh, the first time I was able to walk with my friends to the theater, at the time we were living in Delano, California, there in the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, the uh, theater was about a mile and a half away, maybe, maybe two miles. Kind of tough to judge when you're a little kid. Everything seems, you know, close. And okay. we ended up uh, walking, walking to theater. And uh, unfortunately, the, the timing was really bad because we went to go see The Exorcist. Oh, and some of you may remember The Exorcist, which was uh, not the most. Uh, healthy shows uh, for a little kid to watch but was this the unfortunately too much this was the original one spinning head <laughs> uh green pea soup coming out of the head that whole thing yeah yeah and uh and then uh we had to walk home in the dark and there was a 
an alley that was about the length of uh, two city blocks that we had to walk through. But the, the town wasn't a city. It was just a small town, but needless to say, it still had a lot of alleys and they were dark. And so um, we walked out of the theater. There were, there were four of us. And uh, we looked at each other, looked down that dark alley, and we just started running. So that was the very first time that I can remember that I ran uh, for approximately a mile and a half, two miles straight without stopping. Wow. And we just, we just ran home, broke a world record, and, um, and we were done. And the, the whole premise was that uh, we didn't want the Yorona to catch us as we were running, as had been you know, told to us by her parents, that, uh, that especially my mother, where she said that she had had an older brother who was disobedient to her uh, mom and dad and ended up uh, being chased after the movies by what apparently was the Yorona. So wow. I don't know if it actually was or wasn't, but that was a story uh, within our family that the Yorona was real, will catch you, and, and then you'll have to you know, pay the consequences of uh, being thrown in, and drowned in, the, in nearby river. I should have been wiser to that story, however, because there was no active river within um, probably 20 miles of where I was. <laughs> but needless to say, I wasn't going to challenge that idea. You never know that, so, that La Llorona might conjure up a river, you know, from the spirit world, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And the last opportunity I had to test that was as a, a Boy Scout leader. Uh, with some boys where we were by a river where uh, most of them had never heard of that story. In fact, I think none of them had, we had about 15 boys out there and they hadn't heard about the story, but I told it in, in very, very, very grave detail and uh, made sure that it got their attention. And I don't think we had too much noise after midnight uh, on that particular night. So once again, it did, it did help. It's very, so to, the, so to that end, Sort of learning lessons, um, I guess, on obedience, right, is the big one. Yeah, obedience is the big one. Uh, obedience yeah, to, so. you know, doing the right thing when you can. And, and of course, respecting your elders, which, I, which is huge, right? Well, you know, it's 2018 now, and, and uh, kids are something else in terms of a dynamic for correctional behavior. So if you don't need to use la chancla and la bota, try la llorona, right? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, with that, why don't we say uh, bye to our listeners on this podcast? Uh, it was a lot of fun sharing those those three uh, fun-filled <laughs> uh, stories, La Chancla, La Bota, and La Llorona. Uh, those yeah. are certainly very, very fond memories growing up. We know that you have memories as well as you're listening to this podcast. Please take the time to shoot us an, an email or messages if you're listening to us on Anchor. And uh, we'd love to hear your comments. Chuyin, anything as we depart? Yeah, uh, an echo on what you just said. I think it's uh, important to also have a little bit of fun and share the actual culture itself. And uh, a few lessons there, even though they're funny, uh, everybody can draw from them. But uh, I'll, I don't, I'm very curious to see what other people have to share in terms of La Llorona and how they first heard of it or how it impacted or when they at last had to use it. Even La Chancla and La Bota, if it applies. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Sounds great. Well, till the next podcast. Uh, we'll cook out it. We'll kick it out fairly soon, and uh, we'll go from there. So long. So long. <laughs>